We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Cam Johnson, University of North Carolina, small forward. I'd like to give a shout out to my family. My favorite thing to do on the court in general is shoot. Uh, like I always say three points is worth more than two. So if you can shoot a shot and get three points, why not do it? Um, and that's kind of that's kind of something that I've lived by over the past couple of years. But shooting threes is definitely my, my go-to. Uh, one thing I'm working on a lot now is just my body, quickness, speed, strength, all around stuff. Uh, I think that can help me a lot defensively, uh, rebounding and, and moving with and without the ball in offense. My greatest accomplishment in basketball so far, I guess it'd just be getting to this point now. Uh, getting to this point where I'm in a position to kind of change my life a little bit now. My favorite basketball player growing up was Michael Jordan. Um, I used to watch hours and hours of Michael Jordan games and videos all day long when I was little. Um, and I tried to catch as many games as, of live as his as I could at a very young age and he's just always been my favorite player since. Uh, I think it was his, his competitiveness. Um, he got a special gift that no other basketball player has. He's the greatest basketball player of all time, and uh, I really respect that. But I can only imagine that it would be just a rush of emotions, uh, something just unbelievable, something that you've been dreaming for your whole entire life. Uh, I dream of that moment every, every time I've watched NFL drafts, NBA draft. You always dream of, of, of your phone ringing and picking it up and a team on, on the other line saying they're going to pick you. So. I haven't experienced it yet, but I, I can only imagine that the feeling is, is like no other. The 11th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Phoenix Suns select Cameron Johnson from the University of North Carolina.
Welcome to the Timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. It's official. James Jones has a fetish for shooters. <laughs> <laughs> it's something we found out tonight. Makes a lot of sense. He was a shooter in the NBA, and he likes shooters in the NBA. Uh, the 2019 draft just ended, and what a bizarre day for the Phoenix Suns and for the NBA in general. It's hard to even keep track of where all these players are going, who had what pick, and what ended up where. Uh, I'm thoroughly confused, but I took enough notes to actually get through this podcast. And of course, with me is Sam Cooper. Sam, how are you doing? I'm thoroughly confused, Mike. I'm upset. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to keep a level head here, and I'm going to be quiet because it's past 11 p.m. on the East Coast, and I have people in this household that I don't want to wake up with my shrill screaming. Uh, so I'm going to try to be as rational as possible, even though I'm definitely confused by what the fuck just happened. Yes, it was um, confusing for many reasons, but exciting at times. Uh, a little, uh, I was a little let down at other times, let's just say that. So let's go chronologically, just recap what went down tonight, and then let's go through each of them individually and talk about how we feel about each individual move. Sound good? Yep. Adrian Wojnarowski, what a night for him. Very, very busy. <laughs> on on the actual telecast tonight, I didn't expect him to be there. Somehow still tweeting and talking about each pick as it happened. Initially reported, the first move that the Suns made, this was all before the draft. This was about 3.30 in Phoenix, and the draft started about 4. First pick around 4.30. He tweeted out that TJ Warren has finally been moved. TJ Warren was traded for to Indiana, uh, along with the 32nd pick for cap space, basically. Um, Cash considerations, as they call it. That that means it's likely Indiana will be sending money back to the Suns, and the Suns will end up with the cap space that getting rid of the TJ Warren contract frees up. The next thing that happened, the draft was about to start, or actually had started, and the Suns traded the number six pick to Minnesota for Dario Saric, a power forward, actual power forward, Sam, (laughs) And uh, the 11th pick. Um, And then the Suns took Cam Johnson, shocking literally everyone. Uh, Everyone watching, everyone there, anyone online. Nobody had him going this high, and the Suns still took him a shooter, and we'll talk about him in a second. And then the final move was the Suns trading back into the draft since they gave up the 32nd pick, back into the first round by giving up the Milwaukee pick which went to Boston, who actually got the 24th pick from Philadelphia. (laughs) You can see why this was confusing. And the Suns used that to take Ty Jerome. Minutes later, Sham Sharania reported that Aaron Baines was also included in that trade. So basically, the Phoenix Suns gave up that Milwaukee pick, and uh, the Boston Celtics gave back Ty Jerome and Aaron Baines, and the Boston Celtics gained some cap space by getting rid of Aaron Baines. Some cap space that maybe the Phoenix Suns could have used. Uh, There's a lot of thoughts that, of course, Sam and I are going to have. Let's start from the very top. TJ Warren is no longer a Phoenix Sun, and the Suns gave up an asset with him, a second-round pick, a high second-round pick. How do you feel about that, Sam? It's unfortunate because I think, you know, the Suns had no leverage going into this situation. Uh, First of all, you know, I'm going to continue to root for TJ Warren wherever he goes. I'm going to miss him as a Phoenix Sun. I don't think he always got the respect that he deserved. Um, Just giving up the 32nd pick there fucking sucks. Uh, You know, it's really (laughs) the type of trade where Josh Jackson, you understand if he doesn't have any trade value. But for a guy like TJ Warren, who's on a good contract and is quite clearly a very 
more than capable offensive player, even if he does have defensive limitations, uh, you hope to get some sort of asset in return. It doesn't have to be an asset that would count against the Suns cap sheet this year. It didn't have to be a late first round pick or second round pick this year. But, you know, hopefully I was hoping they would get some sort of future asset for him. Instead, they gave up the 32nd pick, which they could have used. I mean, uh, the second round is still going on right now, but the 32nd pick they could have used. Grant Williams is still on the board right now. The Suns could have a solid power forward like Grant Williams, as opposed to the guy they actually took at number uh, 11 and Cam Johnson, who they're going to try to play at the four, but he won't be capable of playing it. So that right there is the first sort of unfortunate uh, event of the evening. Let's talk a little bit about... Actually, Mike, I just want to correct myself really quickly. I think I was in such a blind rage towards the end of the first round that I wasn't noticing who was coming off the board anymore. Grant Williams was taken 22nd, uh, so just to correct what I said a second ago. But regardless, there were still other prospects that could have been on the board 32 for Phoenix. Uh, so yeah, that's um, lukewarm on that trade at best. Yeah, the Celtics will take anyone at any place. Does not matter what the general consensus about a player is taking Grant Williams at high. Not a surprise to a lot of NBA Twitter, but it not where a lot of the conventional wisdom expected him to be taken. And it kind of reminds me of what the Suns did tonight, and we'll find out in, in the next year or two if that pans out. But let's talk a little bit about TJ Warren. TJ Warren was a late lottery pick for the Phoenix Suns. He played basically five years here, but if you add all the games together, about two and a half seasons <laughs> because of his weird injury history. And, uh, you know, there, there, were no, there were basically no seasons where he played anywhere less than 17 games, less than a full season, essentially. Uh, you know, he, he consistently was hurt, um, had trouble staying on the court, up and down offensive uh, production. Of course, we know we've documented, well documented on this podcast, his shooting and how differently that's changed over the course of a season. And I'll just go through his five seasons here. 23%, 40%, 26%, 22%, and then 43% from three. <laughs> that was a bizarre up and down of TJ Warren's three-point percentage. He has essentially been the name that has popped up the most as a potential trade piece for the Phoenix Suns over the last few years. And one of the reasons he was brought up is the expectation that he actually had some value on the trade market. And it turns out that the Suns had to actually attach an asset to get rid of him. Uh, very difficult to watch and, and very um, unfortunate that we had to do that, just as you sort of broke down for us there, Sam. But how do you feel about TJ Warren's time with the Phoenix Suns? How do you think he's going to be remembered here? Uh, he won't be remembered. <laughs> I mean, why would he be? You know, the Suns haven't made the playoffs in the past several years. Yeah. They they were in the gutter. Um, yeah, he has no reason to be remembered. I hope he can go and find success on what should be a good team next year in Indiana. A team that had a good draft tonight, by the way. They got um, Goga Batadze 18th overall, I think. I should be double-checking these things. But, you know, a guy who I know a lot of people had top 10 in their big board. So between that and the TJ pick, I think they did a really good job. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they definitely had an interesting interesting draft, and I think TJ Warren could be a good fit, but who knows what his three-point percentage will be next season. Based on the up-and-down trajectory of his career, it could be in the 20s. <laughs> we don't actually know what it's going to be. We should talk about the other part of that. That is the number six pick was traded to Minnesota for Dario Sarge. That's the second trade here. Now, this is actually, I think, where it starts getting really interesting for the Suns. Not a lot interesting about getting rid of a player and just getting cap space back. But there is something interesting about trying to fill a hole, and that is the power forward hole that <laughs> you and I have been talking about uh, on this podcast for a very long time. 
And we're attempting to fill that with Dario Saric. So let's talk a little bit about Dario Saric first. Dario Saric, Croatian again, <laughs> another Croatian player. Um, an interesting prospect, someone who was sort of a playmaking uh, forward for the Philadelphia 76ers, was traded to Minnesota and now is with the Phoenix Suns. Super Dario, as they call him. How do you feel about Dario Saric? Well, make no mistake, Dario is the T-Wolves TJ Warren. You know, you weren't going to get a superstar, not a superstar prospect, but you weren't going to get a player that is beloved by the Timberwolves organization like a Robert Covington for TJ Warren. You were going to get a player that that fan base is clamoring to have Dario be traded uh, for salary purposes as much as we were clamoring to have TJ traded. So I think what Dario does is he fills a couple of holes that the Suns have uh, just a little bit better than TJ would, particularly rebounding. Dario last season got 8.2 rebounds per 36. TJ only gave us 4.6, so that's a huge difference. Um, and, and Dario's two and a half offensive rebounds per 36 would have been highest on our roster by far uh, after the two centers in DeAndre Ayton and Rashawn Holmes. I mean, he's way ahead of Kelly Oubre, Dragon Bender, Josh Jackson uh, in terms of offensive rebounding. The other thing that he does, obviously, is he shoots you know, uh, 37%. On catch and shoot threes this season, 41% on catch and shoot threes the season before. Um, but on the other hand, you know, that's TJ gave us that too. So uh, overall, I would say, you know, Dario's a good offensive player, but again, he has defensive limitations. He makes our rebounding a little bit better. He's a little bit better of a playmaker than TJ Warren is. Um, but, you know, he's not just the bucket getter that TJ is. He doesn't have the same uh, instinctual feel on offense, I think. He's not the same type of player in transition at all. Uh, so, you know, he is he is what it is. Uh, he is what he is. Um, and I don't know, I guess at the very least, you can say that we have a natural power forward on the roster. When James Jones and Monty Williams have been talking about the players that they want to fill the Phoenix Suns roster with, they did not sound like TJ Warren. <laughs> I have to say that for sure. What they said they wanted is they wanted players who make quick decisions. They wanted players that either pass, shoot, or drive, essentially, as soon as they catch the ball. They don't want players to take their time to figure out what's happening. They want players that will move the ball immediately. They want to create basically a Spurs type of system, the beautiful basketball that we talked about on a previous podcast. TJ Warren didn't do that. TJ Warren would forget plays. TJ Warren would potentially uh, get tunnel vision. TJ Warren was one of the worst passers I've ever seen while driving. And not to say that he threw the ball away a lot, it's just that he just wouldn't pass at all. Kobe Bryant levels of not passing at times. And I think Dario Saric, well, he doesn't have like this insanely high assist percentage or insanely high uh, rebound percentage, another problem that we had in the, uh, in the power forward position. What he does do is make quick decisions. He's the type of player that can actually catch the ball and quickly make a decision to drive, pass, or shoot. I think that's the type of player that uh, James Jones wants on this team, and I think that's what Monty Williams wants as well. And I think that's the main difference between TJ Warren and Dario Saric. Okay, but here's the problem. Dario can hit a three, and he's better at rebounding and passing for sure. Um, but the Suns, they acquired, what, four players tonight? And they still only have two players on the entire roster that can really create their own offense out of the perimeter. DeAndre Ayton obviously can create for himself in the post. Um, but Devin Booker and, to an extent, Kelly Oubre are still the only players on this roster that can create their own offense. Dario is very much going to be reliant on someone else feeding him. He's an underrated pick-and-roll finisher, too. Something else I wanted to mention, he finished 86th uh, percentile in efficiency as a pick-and-roll finisher this year, in addition to being the spot-up threat. 
but you know, quick decisions. I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't want to overrate, you know, the offensive impact that he's going to have. I think he's going to have a similar offensive impact to TJ. The main difference being uh, a couple extra rebounds a game. See, I don't know about that. And maybe it's just because TJ Warren was a very frustrating player for me to watch um, in the last season, season and a half, two seasons, even with his increase in three point percentage. Uh, so often the ball just stopped with him in a Carmelo-like way that just frustrated me, and I don't, and I just don't see Dario Sarch as that type of player. It remains to be seen, of course. But to your point, you're right. We are losing a player that could create his own shot in isolation. the The problem is is it, his inability to work within any other type of offense, even when that three point shot is dropping for TJ Warren. I am gonna miss him. I am gonna miss him. I, you know, I think he was a nice guy. I think he was a good player. I, I admire his ability to drastically change his shot this late in his career that's just unheard of it rarely ever happens um but i am kind of excited to see the 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 type of impact that dario saric will have um in 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 just understanding the offensive flow in a way that i don't think tj warren did there were so many times that i saw people telling him what the play was or where to stand on offense in a way that a fifth year player shouldn't forget in my opinion uh, and I just, I don't know, maybe Dario Sarch is like that. I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't watch a ton of Minnesota. I did watch him a little bit more when he was on Philadelphia, and I was a big fan. Uh, but I didn't have a chance to watch him much in Minnesota. But that sixth pick didn't just get Dario Sarch back. It also got Fuck. Cam Johnson. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> just the most bizarre thing. We should first talk about the sixth pick. So as the draft was going, uh, so as that TJ Warren trade happened, here's what I'll say first. I thought, okay, cool. All right, maybe we're making some cap space to sign a player like D'Angelo Russell, have enough money to potentially go for a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, although there are concerns there. You should watch our YouTube video if you haven't seen it already to to hear about how we feel when it comes to Malcolm Brogdon. I thought, okay, this is going well. Now we have the 11th pick. We can get Brandon Clark. We can come away with Dario Saric and Brandon Clark for the sixth pick. That's pretty good. I'd be really excited about that. Uh, and then the sixth pick actually came, and Jarrett Culver was still available, <laughs> something that I didn't anticipate happening. Part of me thought the reason that they were trading the pick was, was because they anticipated Jarrett Culver not being available at that at that pick. What do you think, Sam? Oh, I was so excited when Jarrett Culver was on the board at six. I mean, he was my you know number one guy. I love Brandon Clark, um, to be clear, but Jarrett Culver was my number one guy coming in at six. Uh, this was just a draft where it was so clear that the Suns had so many needs that it wasn't even necessary to consider fit at all because all of the guys in the number six range fit the Suns in some sense to begin with. Whether you wanted Brandon Clark, whether you wanted Kobe White or Darius Garland um, or DeAndre Hunter or Jared Culver, they all fit our needs because we're bad at basically everything. Um, mm-hmm. So I was super excited about the prospect of maybe getting uh, – Culver at well obviously we wouldn't have been able to get Culver at six I, I should say I was a little disappointed when I realized we couldn't get Culver at six right I'm still thinking leading into the 11th pick that if you took Brandon Clark and and to be honest I was even thinking hey it doesn't even just have to be Brandon Clark if you take PJ Washington this still works you could still stagger him at power forward with Dario I was even thinking you could swing for you know more of a long-term project like Sekou uh, and and in the end, they did none of those things and disappointed <laughs> me far more than I thought they ever could. Before today, how much thought have you put into the idea of Cam Johnson? Zero. Zero. 
<laughs> it wasn't a consideration. I mean, the, the NBA invited 22 guys to the green room, mm-hmm. and Cam Johnson was not one of those 22 players, and he was selected mm-hmm. 11th. Mm-hmm. It's just bizarre. So Cam Johnson, for those who don't know, he's a fifth-year senior. He went to North Carolina, played with Kobe White, actually, and he's widely considered the best shooter in the draft. He's 6'9", so he's tall. It's rare that a player that tall is considered the best shooter in the draft, by the way. And I think that's what impressed uh, James Jones, <laughs> is like looking in a mirror for him, basically, when looking at Cam Johnson. And that's the problem. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little interesting. Um, it's kind of like when... Uh, when Michael Carter Williams went to be coached by Jason Kidd (laughs) and everyone was like, Oh, he'll turn him into a new Jason Kidd. No, it doesn't really work like that. It just doesn't really work like that. Those types of skills are rare. And it's not to say that Cam Johnson won't be a good NBA player. Shooting is a very important skill in the NBA and shooting with size is one of the most rare things that you can find. He's not, he's just not the type of player that should be projected that high. I understand when you look at a player and you're a front office and you say, well, this is our guy. This is the guy we want. We don't believe in this draft. We we think that some of these guys in the top are overhyped and we've found this player that fits exactly what we're looking for in the type of player that we want to play with in the modern NBA and we want to get that guy. Um, And to their credit, they still traded back and were able to find a veteran power forward to help slot into that starting lineup with the Suns next season. But Cam Johnson in most mock drafts, was in the 20s or 30s. This is a massive reach for a guy like Cam Johnson, and it seems like the waste of a number six pick to start with, but even after that trade went down, the waste of an 11th pick. It seemed like there had to have been teams that were looking to move up to that 11th pick that you could move back, but maybe there weren't. Maybe that's how flattened this draft was after that fourth or fifth pick. There's no way to sugarcoat this. In my opinion, it's a disaster. And this is not an indictment on uh, Cameron Johnson. I'm still going to root for him as long as he wears a you know, Phoenix Suns uniform. But I got to give credit to Alessandro Cozy on Twitter, who said, you know, the Grizzlies won 33 games this year and were able to draft John ja Morant and Brandon Clark. The Suns won 19 games and ended up with Cameron Johnson, a guy that, as you said, most people had, you know, in the 20s or 30s on their big boards. And that's there's just no way to come out of that without admitting that that's just a blatant failure. And here's why it's a blatant failure. You know, people will say the Suns need shooting, and that's true. Cameron Johnson is a phenomenal shooter. 97th percentile on spot-up efficiency at the NCAA level, shot 46% on NBA threes. But here's the problem. When you select the oldest player, literally the oldest prospect eligible uh, for the draft at 23 years old, and all he can do is shoot, it makes sense to make that kind of selection of a player who can only shoot when it was Devin Booker and they were 18 years old, the youngest player in the draft, and you were projecting other skills to come along. That's worth a lottery pick. But a 23-year-old prospect where all he can do is shoot, he can't create for himself off the dribble, uh, His defensive, he has major defensive limitations, doesn't have a plus wingspan, or at least not by – I think he doesn't have a plus wingspan at all. These are all um, major issues. I mean for the Suns. A guy like Dylan Windler was taken 26th. They could have had him at 24th with that pick where they took Ty Jerome. Dylan Windler uh, at a Belmont, another four-year senior who has a phenomenal track record as a spot-up shooter and is a 6'8 forward. If they really wanted the shooting that badly, I think, first of all, they maybe could have gotten Cameron Johnson at 24, but they could have taken a guy like Windler there. And there's no reason to take a guy where his only skill set is being basically your 
kind of Troy Daniels replacement, but a couple extra inches of height, there's no reason to take that at 11. None. <laughs> yeah, I tend to I tend to agree. Now, I will say I'm a little higher on Cameron Johnson than you. I think I think it's a little weird when they're, where they're drafting him at this point, if they're planning on keeping Mikhail Bridges, if they're planning on keeping Kelly Oubre, then we're going to assume that he's going to play power forward. He's 6'9", he's relatively skinny, doesn't have very long arms, and that means that you're, the idea is that he could potentially play next to DeAndre Ayton, next to Aaron Baines, who we're going to talk about in a minute, and spread the floor for guys at that position, and he's just out, he's going to be outmatched. Even as a guy who's a fifth-year senior, he's older than Devin Booker. He's going to be one of the oldest players on the Phoenix Suns roster next season, and that's as a rookie, and he's still going to be outmatched defensively at the position that they're likely going to play him at, and that's a little unfortunate for him. I think he can contribute right away. He's the type of guy that's played long enough that he's going to be good his first day in the NBA as far as, you know, not exactly like a starter, uh, likely going to be a bench player that contributes on the offensive side of the ball immediately. He is the type of guy who is a fast decision maker. He is all of those things that we described uh, James Jones and Monty Williams wanting a, a guy who can make quick decisions, a guy who can score. They want him to score at three levels. He's not exactly a great guy off bounce. He can shoot, he can fake, he can drive, but he's not exactly a guy who's going to finish. He's not overly athletic. He is a good off ball cutter. He's a guy can, that can get open uh, off the ball with uh, Devin Booker car- uh, carrying the load offensively and handling the ball. But he's not exactly a guy who's going to be able to create for himself. It's just another problem that we talked about getting rid of TJ Warren. Uh, and I think he will be able to contribute, but it's just it's such a reach. I don't really know how to feel about it, especially with a guy like Brandon Clark. It was kind of the funniest thing to experience this on NBA Twitter, the way that we were able to experience it this year, because Suns fans were a big fan of Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark was, of course, the advanced stats darling and big NBA Twitter guy, a guy who is just essentially a guarantee to be good at the NBA level. I put it on Wasserman, you know, recently about whether or not he thought Cam Reddish or uh, Brandon Clark was going to be better, and he had he struggled talking about that, and Cam Reddish was taken at 10th. So, you know, it's, it's just difficult to understand why he went as late as he did and uh, why we picked Cam Johnson. I'm just, I don't really know what else to say about Cam. Yeah, I mean, I think I would agree with what you said a minute ago that Cam's going to be an inst- um He's going to make an instant contribution uh, for sure. I think it's three years from now where maybe we're seeing Jared Culver averaging 20 points, five rebounds, and five assists per game as some team's secondary playmaker, and Cameron Johnson as an eight-point-per-game shooter off the bench. Uh, <laughs> that... Or feel the effects, but I don't think it's the type of thing that's going to be um, immediately apparent in year one. I guess the advantage for Cam Johnson is we're going to know his ceiling because he's going to reach it next year. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> he's 23. He's 23. me with Brandon Clark. I mean, Brandon Clark, I recognize the lack of ceiling, but he just is such a good defensive basketball player uh, that it didn't matter. But here, and the other thing we didn't even mention is actually, this is important to mention. Cameron Johnson was apparently slipped in the draft because he was red flagged by a lot of teams training staffs for hip issues. Yes. You know who recently fired their training staff? And a lot of people said, well, what's the big deal? What does a training staff do for you anyway? You know, Aaron Mm -hmm. Nelson, uh, well, not just fired. Aaron Nelson also left the Suns to go to the Pelicans instead. I don't know, first of all, that we've gotten any information about who the Suns' new training staff is. No. 
but they were willing to take a gamble on a prospect that a lot of other teams were not willing to take a gamble on. And I wonder if that reflects on the quality of our new training staff. Yeah, I I would say that it likely does. And hip injuries are not something to bulk at. That's that's basically what ended Isaiah Thomas's career at this point. It's something that has affected him dramatically. You know, at the at the very at the very best, what you can what you can hope for for Cam Johnson is a six foot nine JJ Redick, essentially a player that is an absolute weapon offensively, is able to move without the ball, shoot around screens. And this is the advantage of Cameron Johnson. I do want to say he's a very good shooter. And when I say a very good shooter, I mean he's the type of shooter who can catch it and shoot it extremely quickly for his uh, size. He can shoot around screens. He can move with the ball and shoot off the dribble fairly well for his size. But he's the type that can run around all over the floor, cut behind a screen, catch the ball, and let it go within half a second and make a three. That's a huge advantage for a guy that's his size. So if we want to hope for the very, very best, that's what you hope for. You hope for a six foot nine J.J. Redick. And what I mean by that is J.J. Redick is not a great defender, but he's a defender that understands where he needs to be, and he's always in the right place at the right time. He's able to understand team defense very well, funnel guys into the rim protector, uh, take charges, uh, maybe isn't athletic enough to block shots or get up to contest, but is willing to put his body in danger to actually uh, do the right thing in the right time. And that's the kind of thing you can hope out of Cameron Johnson. And if it works out in the way that clearly James Jones and Jeff Bauer thinks that it can work out, that's what he can turn into. And that could be a very, very, very effective player for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, it could. I guess we'll see that. That's all I have to say on, on Cam Johnson, too. I'm rooting for the kid. All right, let's take a quick break. And let's when we come back, we'll talk about another trade. What's up, Blue Wire listeners? This is Jack from the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod. We recently ranked as the number one sports podcast on all of iTunes, all of Apple. We cover all things from the NBA draft, from NBA free agency. We're working on MLB this summer, as well as the NFL offseason. Catch me and my co-host Abe on the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod, a part of the wonderful Blue Wire Podcast Network. So Woj dropped another bomb after these ones. We talked about it earlier. The Suns finally capitalized on the insane value that is the Milwaukee Bucks pick, the pick that we've tried to trade about a thousand times on this podcast, and that was for Ty Jerome and Aaron Baines. This is to the Boston Celtics. There's a lot of drama around this uh, current trade because supposedly Aaron Baines agreed to opt into the final year of his deal and agreed to do it at a lower price than he was initially offered. He, he And under that deal, he was told that he would stay with the Boston Celtics with the potential of being traded later on in the season. And then the Celtics, Danny Ainge, of course, as we all know, has no heart, yeah. immediately traded Aaron Baines and got rid of him to the worst team in the NBA. <laughs> it's hilarious, and I feel very bad for Aaron Baines, but I do like Aaron Baines as a player. But part of the weird thing about this is, we'll talk about Ty Jerome in just a second. Let's talk a little bit about Aaron Baines first. This likely means no more Rashawn Holmes, right? It absolutely does. No more Rashawn Holmes. And we had heard rumors about that actually in the past week, about how maybe this uh, new management wasn't so fond of Holmes. Um, I think various people in the media had hinted at it, but hadn't outright said why. Uh, but I think this is pretty clear indication that Holmes will be moving on. And this was, I thought this Buck, Bucks pick would be used to get rid of 
Josh Jackson. I'll be honest. Um, Josh Jackson's value is at a very, very, very low point. Maybe the lowest ever. <laughs> and uh, I thought we would use that Bucks pick to get rid of him. Instead, it was used to to get buy back into the draft after we traded a pick that could have been potentially been used to get Ty Jerome. I'm not sure where he would have gone because Ty Jerome is another good shooter. Now, let's, let's actually first focus on Aaron Baines. Now, Aaron Baines is likely going to be a backup, well, will be the backup center for the Phoenix Suns, assuming he wants to play here because after what happened, with Boston, it's possible he asks for a buyout or he asks to be moved immediately from the Phoenix Suns. He's a good player. He's a good defensive player. At least he's in the right place at the right time. He tends to get dunked on a lot. That's that's part of his reputation here. But he also started shooting threes in the last year, year and a half, and he's actually pretty good at corner threes. As awkward and weird as his form is, he's done a relatively good job of hoisting up corner threes with the Boston Celtics, and it's something that you can expect him to continue to do here with the Phoenix Suns. The weird part about this point of the draft was that it kind of changed the trajectory for the Phoenix Suns as far as cap space goes, right? Yes, um, and this is what I wanted to talk about. We'll talk about Baines as a player a little bit more in a second, but you know, back to where our reference point was, what we were thinking after that initial, uh, after the Cameron Johnson selection. I was thinking, well, the Suns now have 21 million approximately in cap space. They are a Josh Jackson trade away from having either the space to go out and max D'Lo or, you know, as as down as I was on that Cameron Johnson selection, I was thinking to myself, you could still have a kick-ass offseason if you go out with 28 million in cap space and you like if you envision five players, you've got Pat Bev and Ricky Rubio at point guard, you've got Thad Young Miritich and Aminu at power forward and 28 million is like just the perfect sweet spot where if you can go and get a package of any two of those five players that's uh that's an awesome offseason and then of course the Suns had to go and get Aaron Baines you know however you may feel about Rashawn Holmes and I actually think Rashawn Holmes is a better player than Aaron Baines which again we can talk about in a minute but the advantage of Rashawn Holmes was that he only had a 1.6 million dollar cap hold uh, you have his bird rights. You can go and sign him over the cap if you do choose to retain him. With Aaron Baines, you just took on $5 million in salary. The Suns are now back to about $14 million in cap space before trading away Josh Jackson. Um, and it, it really hurts their flexibility and what they can do in free agency now. There's basically no way for us to go out and get um, D'Angelo Russell for a max contract unless even if you wave and stretch Tyler Johnson, I think you would still be like a million short. Now, I do want to point out, while you were talking, I just saw a tweet that says, an early indication is that the Phoenix Suns may buy out Aaron Baines and allow Baines to join a contender oh, of his choice. Yes. Yeah. Whew. This changes things a little it bit. It does change things. This changes things a lot. Because it it's an indication that they still value that cap space, which was important to me. I don't think Baines is a bad player. Like you mentioned, the theme of the night is that the Suns have been adding shooters. Baines, mm-hmm. another guy, 35% on catch-and-shoot threes, which for a center is pretty good. Um, but, you know, I think you can do better at the backup center position for less. And I think the Suns have bigger areas of need at point guard and power forward that if you keep Baines and go into the offseason uh, or go into free agency with just $14 million in cap space, the Suns wouldn't be able to fill all the holes they have on the roster. Right, and it, and it did make me feel like from the beginning when T.J. Warren was moved – and they attached an asset to get rid of him, it made me think they have a plan. They have a person in mind for free agency. And as the draft went on, 
once that Aaron Baines move was made, it felt like, well, maybe not. But now as we're seeing if that buyout does occur, there's a potential for a buyout to uh, count very little against our cap. There's even the potential for a buyout to count basically not at all against our cap if you just agree to let him go and then sign for a similar amount. All that depends on what Aaron Baines can get in free agency. Generally, the way that buyouts work for players is their agents go through backdoor channels and find out what they can get in free agency and then the team that is buying them out pays the difference between what they're offered and what they're owed on their uh, on the rest of their cap. So assuming he can get a deal that's potentially even larger, it's possible the Suns can make out of this with very, very little left on the cap. And that would be a nice move for the Suns. It's essentially using that Bucks pick to draft Ty Jerome a year earlier than they would have been eligible to receive it. And Ty Jerome, we can talk about him now was the point guard for Virginia that basically helped lead them to a national championship. A very good point guard, uh, passing the ball, handling the ball, and shooting. He's six foot five. He doesn't look that big when you initially look at him. He plays point guard at six foot five. One of the better pick and roll ball handlers in the NBA draft this year. One of the best passers in the draft this year. Uh, I believe in the ESPN draft. They called him the second best passer after John Morant. He had the best assist to turnover ratio in the NCAA last year at, I believe, it was 3.1 to 1, which is very, very good uh, for a college player. And he is the type of player who can shoot off the dribble. He can also run around screens and shoot. He's a relatively good threat off the ball and is a pretty good fit if things can work out for him. This is actually one of the highest picks that the Suns have taken of a guard in a very long time. Uh, so it's hard to un- it's hard to really predict exactly what's going to happen because as we've seen in the past, the guards that we've taken have underperformed or they've been late picks and they're not exactly guaranteed to be good. This is one of the higher picks that we've used on a guard. Um, what do you think about Ty Jerome? I think it's interesting that you threw out the J.J. Redick comparison earlier with Johnson. Yeah. Um, because right. from a physical standpoint, Ty Jerome is J.J. Redick. He's 6'5". Yeah, five. he's got all the same measurables. Yeah, 6'5", with a 6'2 half wingspan. So it's it's really rare that you <laughs> see a negative wingspan. Like, these are actual right. arms for NBA standards. I mean, it's basically whenever a white guy gets drafted. Um, <laughs> and Ty Jerome is black. But, you know, that's what happens uh, in the NBA, at least from a measurable standpoint. As you said, Ty Jerome's a good shooter. He's got a great assist-to-turnover ratio. My worry is, of course, only that um, the Suns have four point guards and none of them are starting caliber on the roster. Yeah. And I don't know, like Ty Jerome was taken 24th in this draft, but I think in last year's draft, he probably would have been an early second round to mid second round guy in the same realm as Elliot Kobo or DeAnthony Melton. The Suns now have three um, three of these young point guard prospects Kobo's under contract for three more years Melton is under contract for one more year and we don't know what Jerome's contract is going to be yet how do you even begin to make sense of that yeah like it, like yeah. Who, who's going to be prioritized there it just feels like the Suns and this is again like you know I really like the idea if we can use a hindsight as 2020 approach of like we could have just taken Culver at six and then, you know, still traded for that 24th pick. And like I said earlier, taking Windler and you get the shooting that you got with Cam Johnson. But, you know, getting a point guard before you fully even committed to Elliot Kobo or DeAnthony Melton. It's not that I don't like Ty Jerome and the shooting that he provides. It just feels like now we're inevitably going to have to throw out one of these prospects uh, and discard them to the side before we've even really given them a fair shake. 
Yeah, um, Ty Jerome's going to be the one that they want because Ty Jerome is the one that James Jones drafted. Elliot Kobo was drafted by Ryan McDonough. D'Anthony Melton was traded for by Ryan McDonough. I expect that James Jones is going to value the guy that he picked and the guy that is the highest of those picks, even even factoring in what you talked about. He's still a higher pick technically than Elliot Kobo. And someone picked by James Jones himself and someone that clearly is a good shooter, something that we obviously see that James Jones dra- uh, loves to draft. But I think another point to make is throughout this this draft, this offseason so far, it's clear to me that they're valuing a couple things, and that is high-character guys who have won in the past. Now, you can look at Cam Johnson. He's a guy that played for a long time. He's clearly a guy that knows how to win. And he's one of the best interviews that you've seen. You can watch videos of him talking at his senior night. You can watch videos of him talking about um, how he feels about his place in the NBA, how he feels about how he did with North Carolina. You can watch Kobe White react to him being drafted at 11th. You can tell that he's made a great impression on him. You can also talk about Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome is a guy who won a national championship in the NCAA. He's a guy who's won in the past. He's older. He's also 21. This is a guy who was drafted basically three years older than Devin Booker was when Devin Booker was drafted. They're clearly valuing guys who are a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, and have a lot of experience winning. They want to surround the Suns guys who spent the last three, four, five years losing with a bunch of winners to try and change this culture to a winning culture. So, I think that it's most likely that they value Ty Jerome at this point because they're trying to do, trying to rebuild that culture uh, through a winning attitude in players who have that winning attitude. So I don't expect uh, Elie Kobo to be that guy. I think that DeAnthony Melton is one of the most overrated players on the Suns roster. Yes, he's a good defender. He's a complete zero. He's a complete zero on offense. He does absolutely nothing. One of the worst offensive players in the NBA last year. You've officially, you're off your fucking rocker. Let's talk about something. (laughs) Okay, I think winning culture is important. But you know what else is important? Having tools to be good basketball players. And if you look at the Suns roster right now, including factoring in all the guys they added tonight, out of all the guys that we expect to get major minutes next season in the rotation, there is exactly one good defender on the Suns' entire roster, and that is Mikhail mm-hmm. Bridges. I would say we have two good defenders, including DeAnthony Melton, but like you just said, we don't know if he's going to get any minutes. Yeah, and he's only got one year left on his deal. I get that he only has one year left on his deal, but if he's the best player, which I still think he is, you go with the best player. And, you know, we're splitting hairs here because these are all just backup point guard prospects. Mm-hmm. But how the... F- I just... We added shooters tonight. You know, that's what we did. Great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, no defense. Mm-hmm. Still don't have a lead playmaking guard. Still have a hole at power forward if you if you are going to play Johnson there. You know, we don't know what the cap situation is going to be. So obviously I'll withhold my greater judgments until free agency. But it feels like in most situations how free agency would play out with free agents choosing to spurn a destination like Phoenix, that this is going to end up in disaster. You know, mm-hmm. Jerome... Obviously, with the wingspan, he's a one-positional defender. I'll give him credit. He's good on the ball. And, you know, that's typical of guys who play in Virginia with that pack line defense. He's good at pressuring defensively um, and gets a surprising amount of steals, given a guy who plays for Virginia, where usually they're a little more conservative. Um, But he's still going to be bullied from a physical standpoint defensively at the NBA level. There's just no way around. Mm -hmm. Sam Johnson's going to get bullied physically at the four Devin Booker we know flat out is a bad defender and DeAndre Aiden as underrated as we think he is from a perimeter standpoint we know that he's a bad rim protector 
So we can't just throw Mikhail Bridges with his long arms out there for 40 minutes and, you know, tell him to sprint back and forth and cover the entire team. Mm. We're definitely going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But hold on, hold on. Power forward, defense, shooting, rebounding, point guard. Those are the major problems with the Suns. Those are called basketball, if you put them all together. (laughs) Did you expect them to solve all of these problems today? Because what they did is they addressed power forward and they addressed shooting and they potentially addressed a backup point guard situation. Yes, we still have defense. We still have rebounding, potentially. We'll see how it works with Dario. I can't imagine he's going to be that much better than TJ Warren, but I do expect him to be better. And then we still potentially could help solve that point guard position in free agency. We did address power forward. We did address shooting. There's still more time left in this offseason. There's still more ways to uh, solve these problems. But I will tell you this. There is absolutely no way we were going to solve all of these problems in a single offseason anyway. I do like that we added shooting. I do like that we addressed the power forward problem. And I do like that we have a legitimate path to potentially get a point guard. I'm not, so I'm not overly angry with what happened tonight. I think that the Cam Johnson trade or, or pick is just completely shocking to me. I just He was not even close to being on my radar. He was as far off my radar as you can get. I just didn't expect it at all. But beyond that, I'm not overly angry with what happened so far today as I expect more to go down going forward throughout this offseason. Yeah, I mean, we uh, just need to turn our attention to free agency, basically. I mean, now I'm waiting on the news of this Baines thing. Because if the Suns keep Baines, then they have $14 million in cap space. Um, you can get up to 21 if you trade Josh Jackson. Here's the other unfortunate thing is that you touched on, but I just want to reiterate. I was really hoping to use that Bucks pick to get off Josh Jackson's contract, and now it yeah. feels like we just can't do that. Well, we can't. Well, I mean, we, <laughs> we, don't, we literally can't do that. But now it feels like yeah. it's not worth it to trade one of our own future first to get rid of Josh Jackson. Like, just keep him for a year, and what's the worst that could happen? Bench him. That's fine. If, you know, he gets it again, then whatever. Well, then you better hope that other people value DeAnthony Melton as much as Suns fans do because that's the likely type of person that they're going to pair with Josh Jackson to try and give a team a chance at two young guys, maybe Eliakobo as well, uh, to hit instead of just Josh Jackson because we don't have really extra picks to send out anymore. And if we're going to send Josh Jackson, we're going to have to attach another asset to him. DeAnthony Melton is not the greatest asset because of that short, short, short contract, but he could be a player that contributes in the right role next year. If Josh Jackson has no trade value, like let's just say we can't get him off. Let's say Baines does not accept a buyout or he does accept a buyout and the Suns, he doesn't give back any money. And the Suns have 14 million right now and you have to fill the rest of the holes. What are you doing? Yeah, that's hard. That's that's when we pretend like we really, really, really like Ricky Rubio. <laughs> Yeah, and and like I do like Rubio, but okay, so then you bring in Rubio, and now you've got Rubio and Tyler Johnson, cool. You've got no minutes for Ty Jerome, who you just spent a first-round pick on getting, and you've got no backup power forward except for Cameron Johnson, who can't play backup power forward. So that's sort of what I'm talking about. Like We could get guys with that level of money, but it just feels like there's too much left for us to achieve, and we don't have any trade chips anymore because one of the most appealing trade chips we have that had maybe some sort of actual value was TJ Warren, who we gave up for nothing. So, uh, I don't know. 
Yeah. You know, the great Jalen Rose says, happiness is a function of expectations. And I guess my expectation in this offseason when looking at power forward, defense, shooting, rebounding, and point guard as our major holes is solving maybe three out of five of them. And not solving, just improving maybe three out of five of them. And then uh, just improving enough to actually get good enough to actually have a watchable team next season. So I guess my expectations were already set kind of low because of how difficult it is to improve five different aspects of basketball in a single offseason for a team that won 19 games. So I guess it's not a huge, huge surprise for me. Um, you know, and I, you know how much I value shooting. Sam, I talk about it all the time, I, and I just like that we have shooters now, and I, I'm interested to see what this team looks like with shooters around Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. And I just hope they don't catch whatever Ryan Anderson caught when he was on the team. I'm yeah. Well, first of all, um, Dario Saric, we didn't talk about could go a number of ways. I think he could be the next Channing Fry or Ryan Anderson. And I'm afraid of, you know, where he's going to fall on that spectrum. Um, well, he's younger than Ryan Anderson. He is younger than Ryan Anderson. He's still just not great laterally. I mean, that again, defensively, that's what I'm talking about. Another, mm-hmm non-defensive asset but with what you just said about you know lowering expectations i'm not targeting you this is more a message to the general sons community but Mm -hmm. it feels to me like heading into this draft we had pretty fucking high expectations of james jones like i feel like i've been hearing a lot of pro james jones propaganda and i'm pretty fed up tonight you know like i i don't like this idea of backtracking suddenly because we didn't take the guy that you know the common sense guy that everyone was saying to take uh, and now we're going to backtrack and say, oh, that's OK. We're we're OK with not really improving. We didn't expect to improve anyway. You know, I'm pretty ticked off at James Jones right now. And this is not a good start to his regime. He has to really earn back the trust with some good moves in free agency because I, you know, I'm trying to be positive tonight. I'm trying to be rational mostly, but I can't spin this positively in many ways. Yeah, and free agency is earlier than it's ever been. It's going to be at the last day of June instead of the first day of July. So we have not that long. We probably have one more. uh, Well, we do. We have one more podcast before our free agency, and we can go over some options there. Of course, if you haven't already, take a look at our YouTube channel. We've gone over some free agency options, and we may have another video coming to you soon on that front. Um, Do you have any specific free agents that you've thought about now that the draft has gone down that would be a good fit with this team? I mean, if if they have 14 million, like let's say in the worst case, they only have that 14 million. I'm almost tempted to say, I know you took him with the 11th pick, but fuck Cam Johnson, play him like 10 minutes per game the first year, because if he plays at the four, he's going to get bullied. Dario Saric, if you talk to T-Wolves fans, is more of a sixth man anyway and go out and get Thad Young or Aminu or Mirovich. Just go hard after the power forward now and let Tyler Johnson be your starting point guard and Ty Jerome or whatever other rookie be the backup and and just go with that. You know, you're still going to improve that way. You're still going to improve. That way you actually get a defensive-minded player in there in the front court. You've got two guys at the four who can actually rebound. Um, As long as Sarge is willing to play the the sixth-man role, you can bring Cam Johnson along slowly. Um, I, I would be open to that. That's probably the most appealing thing to me right now. If you have a little bit more money, like if you find a way to get off Josh Jackson's contract, then I guess there's a variety of things we could do. I don't know. Maybe you could target like a backup four to play behind Sarich because that's my main worry right now. Cam Johnson can mm-hmm. play the four. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just had a full season sample size to tell us TJ Warren can't play the four as a tweener. You know, why would we try this again? So if it has to be a guy like 
you know, use a little bit less money and go out and get Taj Gibson, get Jamichael Green, Dante Cunningham, just get someone uh, who's serviceable at that position. And then obviously I want point guard uh, to be fixed. But, you know, if this is the situation we're in, Tyler Johnson really might be our starting point guard next year. I agree. And there's not a lot of really, really excellent, excellent options at a low price. Um, you know, the ones that everyone wants to talk about is Patrick Beverly. And I just don't really think he's going to want to play for the Suns. I just don't really think that's going to happen. This is a guy that's going to have opportunities to play on contenders likely for less than he can make on the Suns. And, and mind you, he's never really had a big contract in his career, but I think he's a guy that values winning very, very much. And I think that's what he's going to focus on when he looks into his free agency. Now, I know we've talked a little bit about Josh Jackson so far, but we should quickly cover a story that came out since our last podcast as well, where Josh Jackson is now going to court to fight a battle where the mother of his four-year-old daughter is saying that he accidentally um, got his four-year-old daughter high on marijuana while he was taking care of her and brought her back to his or back to her mom um hi <laughs> so this is the lowest that josh jackson's value has ever been this is a fourth overall pick a player that was looked at by a lot of people as a guaranteed to be a good player in the nba but a player that initially had character issues coming into the draft or, or some concerns let's say around his character coming into the draft and that's proven to be a problem uh, when you add some money to it let's say that and now the Suns are trying to move him as they're trying to build a team with excellent, excellent culture, and it sure seems like that's not something that's going to happen anytime soon. Let's say they do try and move him. I'm not sure what it's going to take. It's possible we're going to have to give up significant assets to get rid of him. He does only have one year left on his contract, so it's possible a team will take a flyer on him for a late protected second round pick where we essentially get nothing. But I think it's very unlikely at this point. Do you, do you think there's any chance that we can get rid of Josh Jackson at the lowest value he's ever been at? I haven't looked extensively at other teams' cap sheets, so maybe I'll do that over the next few days. I think there's a chance. Um, but his trade value is definitely the lowest it's ever been. <laughs> Did you see the the meme with um, – it's got you know two pictures of Barney <laughs> with the – Yes. Us, with one being the I, – I can't even – describe it but yeah john jackson uh his trade values in the shitter right now um i would agree he probably can't get too much for him if anything at all yep it's very unfortunate the demise of josh jackson i wonder if he's going to keep his uh, diary going next year so he can <laughs> so he can blame everyone else i forgot about that i stopped reading that diary long ago <laughs> it got a lot less interesting uh as it went on hey bull bull was finally selected by the way oh yeah are we still <laughs> yeah who's being taken right now well bull bull was traded to denver so denver will have bull bull this this is the team that's really just taking risks on guys that are going late because of injury talon horton tucker we're up to 48 right now talon horton tucker went 46 he must have some serious um character issues because that's a guy i've seen and you know was projecting the first round for a long time any any quickly, I guess, before we go, any winners around the league that you can point out? Memphis. I mean, it's definitely Memphis. They had a draft that included John ja Morant and Brandon Clark. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Memphis is the obvious choice. I haven't really been paying attention to the second round here uh, because we've been recording. So I can't see. I'll just quickly scan. Like, I don't even know what all these trades are. It's hard to keep track of at this point. <laughs> 
All right. Well, let's let's end it for now. We'll be back next week with all of the rumors, of course, surrounding uh, free agency. And, of course, if any trades go down between now and then, we'll be back next week to talk about it, likely midweek. And we'll break it all down for you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Good luck to Cameron Johnson. Good luck to Aaron Baines. Good luck to Ty Jerome. (laughs) You're going to need it. The Phoenix Suns select Dario Saric. The Phoenix Suns select Ty Jerome. The Phoenix Suns select Cameron Johnson. The Phoenix Suns select not TJ Warren. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.